0: The views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW.
1: Examine the phenomenon of foreign control. You examine it and you will note with absolute clarity that the lines lead directly to Palestine. They lead directly to Africa. They lead directly ...to the Vatican! Uh, um, so, so, there we are! There it is! There is a conspiracy! There's an insidious, enveloping conspiracy! A conspiracy personified by the yellow man! By the black man! And by foreigners who come in and infiltrate into our economic structure! Oh, there'll come a morning. Yes, there will, there will come a morning when these men have taken over your home, they've taken over your daughters, and they'll be sitting right there on your doorstep. If anybody's sitting on your doorstep, buddy, he's a man in a white coat. You better just go with them quietly.
2: Good morning, London. It is Thursday, August 19, 2010. I'm Bob Metz. I'm Robert Vaughn And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. Where we will be with you from now until noon. No, no, not right wing. Just right. Fade into colour, colour to black and white. Under the bedclothes,
3: everything will be alright.
2: And welcome to the show again, where our number, as always, is 519-661-3600. If you want to join in on our open line discussion on our topic theme today, which happens to be <coughs> conspiracy theories. And you know, when I first heard that opening clip, Robert, I thought it was a real thing. I didn't realize it was an episode of
3: Twilight Zone yes, with Dennis the episode, Hopper. Yes, uh, episode called He's Alive, and that very young Dennis Hopper talking there, yeah. Oh, my goodness, you know,
2: it was really strange.
3: But today on the show,
2: we are going to be talking about Well, the whole theme is conspiracy theories, but we'll be also talking about the psychology of conspiracy theories, about the real conspiracies versus the fake ones, and philosophy, the great conspirator itself. And uh, I'm going to start off with a premise that says, well, it's no theory. Conspiracies are real. Conspiracy theories are not. Does that sound like an odd thing to say? Actually, I think I understand what you just said, yeah. Okay, <laughs> may, may, because it might, might even sound contradictory, and you're right, it can be. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> but, I, of course, we, as always, we start with a definition. What is... Well, the first thing about theory, you know, theory always suggests the unknown, doesn't it, in a way? Because when you have a fact and you know something, you don't think about it as being a theory, even though it, you may operate in that way. Yeah, the word theory implies that you're trying to understand something. Right. So... What we're trying to understand is certain conspiracies. Funken Wagnalls defines a conspiracy as the planning of two or more persons to do an evil act. So evil, that's, that's a moral issue. Also the plan so made, or an acting together, a conspiracy of the elements. Now that's kind of a loose definition of the word we're not going to be talking about that neither are we going to conspire you know by the fire (laughs) for christmas but even that has a suggestion of plotting you know not just we're not going to plan by the fire we're going to conspire by the fire it just has that little edge to it another one conspire to combine secretly in an evil or unlawful enterprise And uh, my Universal World Reference Encyclopedia defines conspiracy, and here it says, In criminal law, a combination of two or more persons for the purpose of accomplishing an unlawful end, or an unlawful end by unlawful means. The Sherman Antitrust Act of 1890 made illegal every conspiracy and restraint of trade and commerce. This was construed to apply not only to monopoly in business, but until the 1914 Clayton Act, to the activities of labor unions. In 1954, after its leaders had been convinced of a conspiracy, the U.S. Communist Party was outlawed by Congress as, quote, an instrumentality of a conspiracy to overthrow the U.S. government,
3: end quote. Isn't that interesting? So the, con- the Congress actually conspired to get rid of conspiracies.
2: Yes, and, <laughs> and of course, what did they conspire to get rid of? Uh, trade and, and labor monopolies, which they are now enforcing rigorously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Things have changed, haven't they? You know, Robert, I think the fact that, you know, any human being can possibly sit down and consciously plan the murder, the destruction and torture of other human beings, men, women and children, without even a second thought to his actions, is generally an unconscionable obscenity to any human being, you know, of goodwill, let us say. Would you agree with that? Well, of course. Yet the world seems to be replete with such activities. What's wrong? Something's wrong. War, terrorism, horror on a scale unimaginable to most in the civilized world. And by civilized world, you know, what do we mean by that? We mean that part of the world in which the initiation of force is prohibited by law, whether by criminals or by government. So, it's, so you know, it's not so surprising that so many people are so paranoid about the potential threats to their well-being. And that's where the danger arises, I think, part of it. Uh, real threats to well-being are often confused with unreal threats to well-being. And when you don't know what the real is, and you're worried about the unreal all the time, guess what's going to happen? So enter the conspiracy theory. And enter also another complexity, the fear factor that generally motivates conspiracy theories. So here's a basic lay of the land with regard to conspiracy theories as I see it. This is my Reader's Digest version again. I think some conspiracies are real, and some are unreal. And by real and unreal, one generally means that the physical evidence is the real, something physical, you know. And no evidence or grossly conflicting evidence would be the unreal. But that's only on the metaphysical level. On the epistemological level, the real is associated with reason, and the unreal with unreason, like contradiction, illogic, emotional unreason. But the other element, that, and we talked about this, I, that I thought was critical, and you don't see that in all the definitions, I think paranoia is a bit of a critical element uh, of what we now call conspiracy theories. You know, they're coming to get me, or they're going to keep something from me, or take something from me. That's always, I think, in the back of people's minds, who, who are really into the conspiracy theories. Uh, you know, I looked into this, there are conspiracies that people believe, but, um, you know, there's, here's the twist, there are also conspiracies that are real, that most people refuse to believe in. That's the weird stuff to me. Uh, for example, such as the undeclared war launched by jihad, as, as John Thompson discussed on our show a few weeks ago. You know, people just are ignoring this war at their doorsteps. And uh, that's the real thing that they should be concerned with. And then you have a further level of complexity. Conspiracies that are proven versus those that are unproven or disproven. Or worse, completely, you know, the complexity of the provable versus the unprovable, because you just don't have enough to work on. We're once again faced with that same dilemma as when we broached our topic of flying saucers and UFOs and, and you know, high-intelligent high beings throughout our space on our show again a few weeks ago. We we don't have the evidence all the time, so we have to make up our minds about the things that we hear in other ways. Everything we know um, depends upon our source of information and the credibility of that source of information within the context of all the complexities I've just reviewed. So I went further after I go through my standard sources of information on definitions i went to wikipedia not my favorite but i go there because it's handy and you do find a lot of things there and they describe conspiracy theory as originally having been a neutral descriptor for any claim of civil criminal or political conspiracy however it has become largely pejorative and used almost exclusively to refer to any fringe theory meaning any unprovable wacko kind of theory According to political scientist Michael Barkin, conspiracy theories once limited to fringe audiences have become commonplace in mad mass media. And I, I think that's one of the reasons I want to talk about this, because you just hear this on the radio all the time. I'm going, is this what we're competing against? <laughs> we're in trouble, Robert. Uh, says Barkin, conspiratorial machinery is generally simple. A single, evil organization implements a plan to infiltrate and subvert existing institutions. This is a common scenario in conspiracy theories that focus on the alleged machinations of Jews, Freemasons, and the Illuminati, as well as theories centered on international communism or international capitalists. Now, I found it was kind of interesting, this glaring comparison of terms. They refer to international communism as contrasted with international capitalists ism versus an ist, the first being an ideology, the second one being people. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going, what's missing? Uh, There's no conspiracy for international capitalism. Where is it? Let's start. With. Th- well, we do. We did. <laughs> does, such, does it exist? Absolutely. It's called Freedom Party International. You can get it at www.freedomparty.org. And I can proudly say that I and a small group of people, Robert here just being one of them, are among the conspirators. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're conspiring to do something that's never been done before. Conspiring for freedom and capitalism, not just against tyranny and communism, you know, in exchange for something else so you know in a way robert everything we do and talk about on this show is part of our conspiracy isn't it
3: it's true British. but i think an element of conspiracies at least the uh, the bad ones well is that it makes for good entertainment it, that's why hollywood is full of it the papers are full of them
2: it does to a point i'm i'm I, I gotta tell you i'm not really that interested in a conspiracy theory unless there's something compelling about it and there and there is about most of them yeah because there's so many half truths and, and other issues but uh you know unlike all of those conspiracies, our conspiracy, doesn't involve any imposition of our point of view on anyone. So, or any, you know, We don't want to be stealing or taken from other people. Uh, there are so many so-called conspiracy theories in circulation that it was truly difficult uh, to choose between them with regards to our focus on the show today. So we're only going to deal with some of the peripheral conspiracy theories and deal with the conspiracy theory in a broader sense for today's show. Among those touched upon today will be the 9-11 conspiracy theories in popular circulation, and believe it or not, something I found on Wikipedia that was a conspiracy theory, in which I was personally involved some, some years ago, without ever having anticipated that such an issue would merit conspiracy status. <laughs> I'm, sa- I'm going to save that for, for the last segment of the show today. And on an upcoming show, we'd like to get into more specific details on a couple of apparently very highly popular conspiracy theories. One of them being, did we land on the moon? Now that got into big circulation, and a lot of people really bit on that hook. I got to tell you. And the other one is what's popularly called the New World Order and the Federal Reserve System and wars and all the attendant things. those are those are more than conspiracy theory issues, if you know what I mean. And, of course, we've already dealt with in excruciating detail two major issues that have found their way into Wikipedia conspiracy theory catalog, and that's uh, UFOs and flying saucers, which we did well—that's just not too many weeks ago, and, of course, the global warming conspiracy theory, uh, which Wikipedia writes, this is what they call it, uh, this, the, the global warming conspiracy theory asserts that the global community of climate scientists have colluded to fabricate a vast body of scientific evidence and literature, in order to deceive the world into believing there is a significant anthropogenic component to increases in global temperatures, with the objective of misdirecting research funding, political power, or simply money. See, that's that's a conspiracy theater or er, theory. And of course, this so-called assertion was no longer an assertion after after ClimateGate, was it? So. Uh, you know there you go well, and it was cor- revealed to be conspiratorial after ClimateGate. yes and uh, of course the real and best theory behind global warming could be best expressed
3: i think by by bill clinton if he were to say uh, it's
2: the sun stupid
3: <laughs> but you know whenever scientists do collaborate on research that is a conspiracy in a way but it's not necessarily uh for anything nefarious it's just that when you involve government like the ClimateGate uh, or the climate change uh, researchers uh, involved, especially the United Nations, perhaps one of the most corrupt uh, organizations on the face of the planet, then science becomes conspiratorial and not just simply collaborative. Yes. I see, uh, Yeah, okay.
2: So, well, before we get into specifics on uh, conspiracy theories, uh, let's first look at the philosophy, psychology, and some of the causes of conspiracy theories. And we'll take a break, and when we come back after this break, that's where we'll pick up.
0: Seven of nine to Commander Chakotay. Go ahead. I require your assistance in the astrometrics lab. On my way. Computer, seal the doors. Deactivate all sensors within this room. Acknowledged.
1: What's this about?
0: I believe Voyager's presence in the Delta Quadrant is no accident. You and the crew have been stranded here intentionally. By whom? Captain Janeway. Captain and Tuvok are involved in a Federation conspiracy. They're in collusion with the caretaker and possibly the Cardassians.
1: I see. And the point of this conspiracy?
0: I believe they're attempting to establish a military presence in the Delta Quadrant.
1: That's quite a theory. Perhaps you haven't heard of the Jankata Accord?
0: No species shall enter another quadrant for the purpose of territorial expansion.
1: The Federation signed it, the Cardassians signed it, and Captain Janeway would be the last person to violate it.
0: Improbable as it may sound. I found compelling evidence to support my theory.
1: You've uncovered some interesting facts, but your interpretation is far-fetched. These are random incidents. Granted, some of them are hard to explain, but there's no conspiracy here.
0: Stardate 51008. Captain Janeway allows Kes to leave Voyager. Neelix told me that Kes had suspicions about the caretaker. Was the captain trying to silence her? Stardate 51462, the doctor's program is transmitted to a Starfleet vessel on the outskirts of the Alpha Quadrant. An attempt by the captain to contact Earth, or a secret communique informing Starfleet of her progress. Stardate 50984, Janeway forges an alliance with the Borg. Stardate 51762, a ceasefire with the Hirogen. Stardate 52861, a non-aggression pact with the Turkellian. She called each incident diplomacy. I believe she was trying to establish a tactical infrastructure in the Delta Quadrant. Over the past five years, Captain Janeway has altered course 263 times in the name of exploration. In reality, she was mapping the region and collecting strategic data regarding... I get the point. of nine to captain janeway go ahead i need to speak with you in the astrometrics lab i'm on my way computer seal the door and deactivate internal sensors to this room acknowledged Seven. i believe chakotay and other members of your crew are involved in a conspiracy to resurrect the maquis rebellion did chakotay put you up to this voyager and the federation itself are in grave danger I've concluded that Chakotay intends to use the catapult to launch attacks against Cardassian and Federation starships. Chakotay gave up his allegiance to the Maquis a long time ago. What you're saying makes no sense. Improbable as it may sound, i found compelling evidence to support my theory. I'd be willing to consider this theory of yours, if I didn't know Chakotay as well as I do. There is no one on this ship I trust more. What you've done here is build what we call a house of cards. Stardate 48658, eight, Commander Seska is revealed to be a Cardassian spy. She defects to the Kazon and impregnates herself with Chakotay's DNA. Was he unaware of the procedure as he claims, or were they working together to create a new Kazon sect to capture Voyager? Stardate 49522, two. Chakotay recommends establishing trade relations with the Kohari. Their technology uses tetrion power cells, a simple diplomatic overture, or was he seeking a source of energy for the catapult? Start date 4950.
3: And welcome back to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where you can join us at 519 661 3600. And that 7 of 9 on Voyager episode we just heard sure sounds like a, a nutcase, doesn't she, when she's espousing all these theories <laughs> yes. one after the other? Conspiracy theories certainly do make people look a little insane, if anything, uh, certainly not rational and uh before the break we were talking about um conspiracy theories uh defining them and um, conspiracy theories in general usually fit into the category the philosophic category of epistemology in other words how do we know what we know but what interests me personally bob about conspiracy theories is not just how do we know what we know what sources can we trust what's the credibility of the sources what I'm really interested in is, why do people believe in them? There's actually been a considerable amount of research done in this area by political scientists and psychologists that I recently uncovered. And But before I get into that, I just want to talk about some commonalities that I think we have to set the groundwork for before I talk about the why. The commonalities of conspiracy theories. And I've uh, I've picked out four now, salient now, features. about When you say conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. are you which of the definitions are you going with? <laughs> the one about two or more people conspiring uh, to plan something or to plan something uh, criminal or evil. Okay. And um, of the four salient features I picked out, the first one would be a lack of information or conflicting information. That seems to happen with all of the theories out there. There's a secretive nature of conspiracies. uh, This is an obvious observation, but it must be noted because it's fundamental to the research done in the area of seeing patterns where none exist. The second one is that theories themselves are most often more complex than the truth. Penn and Teller, who we hear from a little later on, refer to this when they note that something small and simple can destroy something big and beautiful, and that it's just difficult for us to understand that or to actually believe it. Mm -hmm. The third one is that government is almost always involved. Pick a theory, any theory, and behind it somewhere, somebody's going to mention that it's the government involved.
2: It's interesting you say that because in all the research I looked at, uh, it was always a political scientist of some sort commenting on this issue. Right. Well, that was sort of uh, uh,
3: back that theory up, then, Mm. or that that particular characteristic of conspiracies, Um, I think it it goes towards uh, and indicates a level of distrust people have for government in general. On the one hand, people may say that we're very knowledgeable about government and how it works. Um, We elect representatives who create laws and regulations which are enforced by police. And yet, on the other hand, there's an overwhelming belief that there are sinister goings-on behind closed doors, meetings between the government and lobbyists for big business, big labor, the military, etc., are going on, which undermine the decisions of our elected officials, they are more than willing to say these conspiracy theorists, conspiracy theorists.
2: Don't we say that every week on this show?
3: Uh, yeah, actually, I think
2: they are going to be taking this away in white suits you know, later. This sinister thing, you know, that's left-wing, isn't it? And we're always yeah. saying
3: that. <laughs> now, the last one I want to talk about, the last commonality of yes, conspiracy theories, is that no evidence will convince a conspiracy theorist to change his mind. Uh, or at least that apparent is apparent in most of the cases. This is often the reason why conspiracies never seem to go away. It's been almost 50 years since JFK was assassinated, but the theory that he was killed by the CIA or more than one gunman still persists to this day. It's been over 40 years since man first sat on the moon, and yet there are still a few, well, I'll call them crackpots because they are, out there who uh, believe that it was a hoax put over on us by NASA. Now those are the four commonalities. Uh, among con- conspiracy theories. Uh, there are others, but I'm just going to pick on so those that's, four. So that's, again, lack of information or con- conflicting information.
2: Mm-hmm. The theory is more complex than the truth. Mm-hmm. The government's always involved, mm-hmm.
3: and no evidence convinces the person who's into it. Exactly. And right. Now, that last one, um, that is most often the case, but every now and then you'll find that some conspiracy theories are blown out of the water completely, and then people really basically have to admit it except for a very select few who really need some help. (laughs) Uh, Conspiracy theories abound when people fail to properly assimilate the information given to them about a particular, often traumatic event. It stems from ignorance, fear, and paranoia, like you mentioned before, Bob. Let's take one conspiracy as an example. I don't want to get into too much detail, and you can find out more about this particular conspiracy. It's all over the Internet. On September 11th, 2001, Hours after the Twin Towers collapsed, another building, World Trade Center number no. 7, a 47-story skyscraper, collapsed. The conspiracy goes as follows: 1. No other structure of similar construction has ever collapsed due to fire. 2. It housed offices of the CIA and was deliberately destroyed to cover up the CIA's involvement in the 9/11 affair. 3. A BBC story reported the collapse of the building several minutes before it actually did. 4 examination of the dust of the collapsed building showed small metal pellets consistent with the use of thermite an explosive thought to have been planted by conspirators to bring the building down there are other disparate facts, uh, facts surrounding the conspiracy but let's just take those four. First of all no other similar structure has ever collapsed due to fire this comes from a lack of knowledge the only video we had initially of the building's collapse showed the north side of the building while it while if they had seen the south side of the building the side that actually faced the two falling towers they would have seen a massive amount of structural damage due to falling debris from one of the uh, falling uh, world we'll trade center towers enough by many experts' opinions, to cause the eventual collapse of the buildings. So it's that lack of information. Sure, and you couldn't have been sitting there to get a good picture because you'd be dead now. Well, that's right. After <laughs> those buildings collapsed, it was nothing but carnage and, and, and desolation. But people who had seen it uh, shortly afterwards, and like I say, it was only a few hours span between the collapse of the uh, towers and the collapse of the World Trade Center number 7. So there were no cameras down there, really, uh, just eyewitness reports of massive devastation. The second one is that the CIA offices... Um, were destroyed conveniently. Now, the CIA has many offices throughout the United States. That there were offices in the downtown Manhattan should be of no surprise—a coincidence leading to conspiracy theories, due to the belief that the CIA is behind most conspiracies. So, three: the BBC story. The reporter who talked about the collapse of another building explained that it was a simple mistake, due to haphazard release of many hastily pieced together reports from hundreds of news agencies at a time of immense tension. So she was actually quite distraught that any conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory, could be uh, surrounding her uh, and her uh, news agency's obvious mis- misreporting. <laughs> so, and the fourth one is that metal pellets in the dust are consistent with the use of uh, you also. You see, the, the
2: conspiracy theorists would say, "Aha! She's part of the conspiracy." Y-
3: yeah, that's see, see? nothing that's... will convince them. In that case, they'll just try to dismiss the actual explanations all the time. Now, those metal pellets. Um, while they're consistent with thermite, they're also consistent with the use of arc welders, welders which were used extensively to cut up the steel girders after the collapse. So there's another obvious explanation for that particular thing. Now, those four random observations explain away rather simply, but never to the sa- satisfaction of some who sees conspiracies everywhere. Why do people see conspiracies when none exist? The phenomena is an extension of pareidolia, Now, pareidolia is simply perceiving patterns in otherwise random phenomena, like seeing an animal shape in a cloud formation or the face of the Virgin Mary in a pancake, which, by the way, has been seen. (laughs) Now, recent research has shown that people who feel out of control are more inclined to see such images than people who have a greater sense of control. Now, a 2009 study by Aaron C. K. That's K-A-Y et al., called... compensatory control achieving order through the mind our institutions and the heavens asserted the following and i'll quote from that their abstract quote people protect the belief in a controlled non-random world by imbuing their social physical and metaphysical environments with order and structure when their sense of personal control is threatened we demonstrate that when personal control is threatened people can preserve a sense of order by a perceiving patterns in noise or adhering to superstitions and conspiracies b defending the legitimacy of the socio-political institutions that control or c believing in an interventionist god we shouldn't be surprised that the researchers found that the same lack of control that motivates conspiracy theories is also a contributor to believing in a personal interventionist god and defending a bureaucratic state. Now, after the break Hmm. that's coming up, I'll get into a little bit more research about this lack of control and the motivations for conspiracy theorists. Sounds good. We'll be back after this.
1: I picked up a power surge coming from the cargo bay.
0: I detected the same thing. You think it's the enhanced alcohol?
1: Could be. Let's take a look.
0: Our phaser is standard equipment on board now. Must be. The data buffer's been activated. I wanted to make sure it wasn't malfunctioning. Well, you should be careful. Somebody might think you were trying to delete a few files. Why would they think that? Some of those files could contain sensitive information.
1: If that's true, somebody might think you were trying to do the same thing. That catapult out there, it's a powerful piece of technology.
0: If the Maquis ever had access to something like it, they might have been successful.
1: And if we had, your mission to the Delta Quadrant never would have gotten off the drawing board. What are you talking about? The mission you've been on for the last five years. My only mission is trying to get Voyager home. Seven showed me the sensor records. I saw the tractor beam. She showed me the same
0: thing. But she implicated you in some kind of key plot.
1: Same evidence. Two different theories. Seven was malfunctioning. We don't have that excuse.
0: You're right. We've been through too much to stop trusting each other. You didn't poison the coffee, did you? Not any more than I usually do.
4: According to a recent poll, 49.3% of the people in New York believe that our leaders knew the 9-11 attacks were planned and that they intentionally failed to act. And lots of people believe we didn't even land on the moon and that JFK wasn't killed by this guy. Are 49.3% of us just crazy? People are fundamentally skeptical. People don't
0: trust the explanations they have. My name is Jody Dean, and I'm the chair of the political science department at Hobart and William Smith Colleges. This mistrust of an official explanation motivates them to go looking further, and then they want to keep going and keep going and keep going and find out what they think could be a more convincing explanation.
4: Nobody can convince me that our president did not hire Saudi nationals with Saudi passports to come over to this country and fly airplanes into those buildings to give him a mandate to go over and invade Iraq as he had planned. Nobody can convince me? Bell should go off in your head when you hear those words. That's his idea of skepticism. A real skeptic demands to be convinced with evidence we should be skeptical of the government but we should just make it up
3: and welcome back to just right on chw 94.9 fm and um what did you think of the fact that seven of nine was malfunctioning bob <laughs> In, well, <laughs> well, she was overloaded with information. That's the thing. And, and she was
2: trying to assimilate it all into something that made sense. Make a pattern out of uh, out of randomness that really didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, imagine somebody threw a box of puzzle pieces at you, and there's patterns there, and you're trying to put a puzzle together, but they didn't tell you that the pieces of the puzzle are from four or five different puzzles. Exactly. <laughs> and, y- and you'd start seeing a pattern of some sort, thinking it was a single puzzle, because that's the premise on which you entered Right. the, the venture,
3: so to speak, and then you start seeing things that aren't really there. It's actually an adaptive mechanism. Uh, evolutionary adaption has, has given us this ability to to do but, that. But, it's actually it's a useful but aren't thing. But
2: we, aren't we writing off all legitimate inquiry into suspicious activity by, by no. writing off conspiracy theories this way?
3: No, and I think perhaps it, later in today's show we'll conclude um, with the fact that there are some conspiracy theories out there that should be uh, believed, and um, Like everything I say. <laughs> and skepticism, skepticism is often healthy. However, we must always be ready to choose to disbelieve something that we've believed for a long time when evidence comes along to show the contrary. That's, I think, what people can take out of today's show. But I'm going to continue now and talk about another particular piece of research I found about um, the lack of control that people may feel uh, leading to why they would be more susceptible to see patterns where none exist and conspiracy theories. This report was called Lacking Control Increases Illusory Pattern Perception, Perceptions by Jennifer A. Whitson and Adam D. Galinsky. It was in Science Magazine, 3rd of October, 2008. Now, this preceded the case study that I talked about before. When what follows are some, well, unfortunately, rather lengthy quotes from the paper, but I think I have to quote from them because the, what they're saying is, is really interesting and profound implications for conspiracy theory. Now, quote, We present six experiments that tested whether lacking control increased illusory pattern perception, which we defined as the identification of a coherent and meaningful interrelationship among a set of random or unrelated stimuli. Participants who lacked control were more likely to perceive a variety of illusory patterns including seeing images in noise, forming illusory correlations in stock market information, perceiving conspiracies and developing superstitions. The desire to combat uncertainty and maintain control has long been considered a primary and fundamental motivating force in human life and one of the most important variables governing psychological well-being and physical health. When individuals are unable to gain a sense of control objectively, they will try to gain it perceptually. Research has found that current needs can shape and even bias perceptual processes. For example, children of lower economic status overestimate the size of coins as compared with wealthy children. And hungry individuals are more likely to see food in ambiguous images. A high desire for control has been associated with distortions of objective reality, and studies have found that lacking control produces uh, attributional biases to restore feelings of control. We suggest that a lack of control provokes seeing and seeking patterns because pattern perception is a compensatory mechanism designed to restore feelings of control. It's interesting. Maybe that's why we call people who have that condition really bad control freaks
2: ah you know, you know, you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. they, they're so they are so into controlling things that they have to deny the reality around them to get what they want you know i've seen it it's, it's been the subject
3: of many a sitcom <laughs> i think you're right and, and as a matter of fact if you're listening to the clip there where there was one person standing at um, ground zero talking about the conspiracy theory and uh, how the government is behind it all, he sounded certainly as if he was definite, and he sounded like he wanted to be in control. Yes. And he was pontificating, much as Seven of Nine was pontificating in the Voyager episode. She was but, adamant about what she had. Again, the danger
2: between a person who who, who has a false belief and isn't and sounds like he's in control and is preaching is to a lot of people no different than, than a person who has a true belief and is preaching it. That's true, too. It's you hard know, to distinguish, and it too, isn't Isn't it? that the whole problem? Mm-hmm but i think the underlying issue is control. it's like guilt and innocence eh? like the innocent guy is going to say he's innocent too not just a guilty guy <laughs> right they're the and, confusion line and so it's always the objective viewer who is faced with the challenge so to speak to determine
3: what is what is real and unreal rather than what's true right. and untrue i would th- i would say more from that paper um, lacking control increases illusory pattern perception i'm quoting here Conspiracy beliefs are one example of how this process might work. They have been described as giving, quote, causes and motives to events that are more rationally seen as accidents in order to bring the disturbing vagaries under reality of reality under control. The need to be and feel in control is so strong that individuals pr- will produce a pattern from noise to return the world to a predictable state. If pattern perception helps an individual regain a sense of control, the very act of perceiving a pattern, even an illusory one, may be enough to soothe this aversive state, decreasing depression and learned helplessness, creating confidence. When individuals were made to feel psychologically secure after lacking control, they were less prone to the perception of illusory patterns indeed the beneficial effects of of this sense of security are tapped into by psychotherapy which attempts to give clients a sense of control over their lives to reduce the obsessive compulsive tendencies or sinister attributions engendered by seeing too much meaning and intentions in another in another's innocuous behaviors so it, it sounds like Psychotherapy is in order for a lot of people out there, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, that, that, ex- that goes a, a long way to explain a lot of behaviors, doesn't it? Well, it does. And, and what and I found phenomenal. interesting about these, this research is that not only is it applicable to conspiracy theorists, but it's also uh, applicable to people who have profound religious beliefs, who believe in an interventionist God, who have superstitions of, of for example, like knocking on wood. It gives them a sense of control. <laughs> yeah. Knock on wood. Yeah. Uh, What is important to take away from all the research is that conspiracy theories don't necessarily prove that you're a nut, I think. In fact, many researchers, including Carl Sagan, have called the phenomenon of seeing patterns where none exist an adaptation in man which has evolutionary advantages, and I believe that's true. Also important to note is that conspiracy theories make us feel in control and lower our level of fear, depression, and anxiety. Though sometimes, listening to some of those conspiracy theorists, I I think perhaps sometimes the opposite is true. They increase levels of fear and depression and anxiety in others, at least. Whether or not the conspiracies are true, this is often the case. The, The mark of a more reasoned person would be the ability to choose to correct your view or on a possible conspiracy theory, given new data. And this, I think, that if people watch that episode of Voyager uh, 7 of 9 at the very end, chooses, given more data, to give up her belief that in those two conspiracies that we were listening to. Yes, Captain Janeway gives her the real conspiracy. Exactly. And that's what happens. There's new data available. She assimilates it properly and realizes that she was being misled by all of the other erroneous data. Now unfortunately, we're not all like Seven of Nine, Uh, we're not all reasonable. Uh, The compelling allure of conspiracies is control, and not many are willing to give it up without a fight or perhaps some psychotherapy. (laughs) (laughs) The issue becomes even more complex, however, Bob, when we consider the fact that some conspiracies are indeed true and should be believed, and I believe that after the break you're going to be talking about at least one of those, right? Uh, Yes, we shall and before we do that though
2: i was just looking at these uh, i got these all out of um, wikipedia as well and it was interesting they had the top 10 wackiest conspiracy theories and the 15 believable conspiracy theories and i noticed that uh, some of the same ones were in each one (laughs) (laughs) and so They had the problem too never heard of this one dinosauroid like alien reptiles are dominating the world that's one of the top wackiest ones well isn't that true and of course the apollo (laughs) moon 11 um september 11 barcodes are really intended to control people uh, of course, the truth is out there, Area 51, we've been there, done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Nazis
3: had a moon base. I haven't got around to that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why I'm saying the difficulty <laughs> lies in the <laughs> fact that when you get these obvious nutbars out there talking about such nonsense, and it, it sort of diminishes people's ability to believe in the real conspiracy that are out there. Well, believable or not, these are the top 15.
2: Uh, according to this other website, I, or well, this is also, I think, out of Wikipedia, is it? Um, I'm not even sure. But it says here the number one is that Diana, Prince of Wales, was murdered. Do you want to get into that one? No. Not again, Bob. <laughs> you and I had a big <laughs> argument over that one. Um, <laughs> the New World Order, of course. That one uh, we're going to be talking about next week, hopefully. NASA faked the moon landings, that one as well. Um, interesting, this one gives the truth five of meter five, 5 out of 5 on that. Man on the moon, no chance. <laughs> 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 and then 9 11, they go, uh, you know, truth of meter 5 out of 5 on the 9 uh, 11 conspiracy theories. No smoke without fire, and there was a lot of smoke, uh, you know, there, you know. And, um, oh, 100% inside job, they call it, truth of meter 5 out of 5. Yeah, there you great. go. And that's the kind of thing you hear online. Going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'll tell you about the uh, conspiracy theory, apparently, that I was involved in.
3: And so it looks like what hit the Pentagon
1: is some sort of unmanned drone. But Building 7 was a classic implosion where they only took out the center column. Well, what
2: happened is the Arabs were patsy. The EPA was censored by the White House from warning the people of Manhattan. My first reaction to Flight 93
3: is that the military, after they saw those towers get hit... We're thinking, wait a minute, that's not part of the plan. What is that plane gonna do? Shoot it. I
1: think proffering conspiracy theories like that are, are an insult to, to
4: the people who, who lost their lives here. But why do these ideas, ideas with no basis in fact, keep popping up? People hate thinking about
0: in a flash of an eye terrorist bombers can come in and crash into the World Trade Center. They would rather see that, oh yes, there was always a system, there was always some overriding explanation that can let us make sense of the world.
4: Wasn't 9-11 enough of a conspiracy to make the theorists happy? Religious fanatics, directed by God, conspired to use planes as suicide bombs, they conspired to demolish an American landmark to kill thousands of people, and to crush the economy, liberty, and spirit of the greatest nation on earth. So they did it on a low budget with pure cunning and psychotic determination. Don't the conspiracy nuts realize that sometimes something simple and small and crazy and mean can destroy something big and beautiful?
5: In 1973, we began to hear the first inklings of what a great miracle this was for so many illnesses. For glaucoma, people in in the United States, there's 2 million people with glaucoma. The best single medicine for all 2 million of those people. The best medicine is smoking pot. It It lowers the ocular pressure. It gives them better sight. It doesn't make them destroy their kidneys and their livers like it does with theopoly and yet that is illegal asthma asthma medicine with theopoly that's what they give children yet until the 1930s the number one medicine on earth for asthma was smoking marijuana it dilates your arteries it dilates your air passages it lets the oxygen in and I didn't know any of this so in 1973 When I began to hear this, I began to write for magazines and for the local Los Angeles Normal Group. And we used to tell people, you can make all the paper, all the fiber, all the fuel out of this one plant. You can make medicines for chemotherapy so that people not only won't vomit when they smoke pot and they take chemotherapy, but they'll have enough appetite to eat to rebuild their to rebuild their their, their system. To rebuild because when you take chemotherapy it works by killing every every cell in your system. And the only way you have to live if you have chemotherapy is to eat fresh food. You've got to have an appetite to eat fresh food. And when you're on chemotherapy, the number one thing on earth to give you appetite is illegal. That's insane, it's criminal, and the sons of bums that put that on the way. You have to assume that they're ignorant, that they're ignorant that the number one paper source, the number one fuel source, the number one fiber source, the number one medicine source on earth, they've made illegal. You have to assume they're ignorant because if they were conscious, if you're MP, an American presidents and senators were conscious of all the advantages that hemp is and still had it illegal. they'd be criminal and i'd take them out and shoot the sons of bitches
2: wow that's one angry guy there eh robert that's a man (laughs) in control that's for sure (laughs) what you just heard was the late jack harrer author of the book the emperor wears no clothes appearing in toronto's nathan's phillips square on july 19. 1992 i was there too i was one of the speakers at an event sponsored by normal with the national organization for the reform of marijuana laws now i was one of the speakers at that event and had the opportunity to personally speak to jack during his marijuana mardi gras campaign that was going through the province at that time and also came through the city of london ontario so you can well imagine my surprise when in wikipedia under its list of conspiracy theories appeared the heading drug legalization never thought of drug legalization as having anything to do with conspiracy theories. But there was only one paragraph written about this conspiracy quote, and and I quote, "...some activists and spokespersons for legalization of drugs, especially marijuana, have long espoused a theory that the government and private industry conspired during the first half of the 20th century to outlaw hemp, allegedly so that it would no longer provide inexpensive competition to pulp paper and synthetic materials." William Randolph Hearst is often pointed to as one of the businessmen responsible due to his involvement in the printing industry and his eminence in the public eye. An extensive study on the subject has been done by Jack Herrer in his book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes, end quote. <laughs> and that was it. Wikipedia refers to Herrer's book as a study on the subject, not a conspiracy theory in and of itself, though it does reveal a conspiracy of sorts. And some of it turned out to be true and others not so true, One of the things i understand is it was not really that economical in terms of the competition between hemp paper and uh, other paper at the time but uh, certainly william randolph Hearst was the one who introduced the word marijuana to north america and that's where they through through his newspaper empire of course and um you know i have an autographed copy actually of the emperor wears no clothes dated july 18 1992 and uh, hare wrote in there he says to bob metz freedom party of ontario you will never have a better or more real issue to beat the minds and the so-called morality of the oppressors of hemp teach hemp non-stop till total victory love jack well unlike mark emery i guess i can't really say i faithfully followed his advice uh generally having relegated the pot issue to the back burner for the most part it's not an issue you can ignore
3: well, not only that uh, the freedom party of canada didn't exist and it is primarily yes. a federal issue yes primarily well it's not that's not even the issue you, you know somebody asks
2: you a question about something you have to tell them what you think I, I don't like avoiding it just because oh it's not federal well, i wasn't government. suggesting that yeah, no but um no one would have guessed it back then and myself included that almost two decades later the principle of pot would appear on youtube you know mm-hmm. we never even thought of a youtube let alone that so i recall too being quite surprised back in the 1970s when a relative of mine who had asthma lit up a joint whenever she felt an attack coming on and I, i was shocked i think it seemed counterintuitive to me to be able to breathe better after smoking something and and yet it seems to be true to her it was common knowledge i'd never heard of that before and now most people have heard of it and that was in jack hare's book which by the way was one of the books that was banned when mark emery first got involved and that was the information that was it was actually illegal to say those things maybe it still is who knows
3: actually the censorship of such books feeds the conspiracy theory doesn't doesn't
2: it it, though because generally it's a truth that if you censor something it is the truth that you're censoring Mm -hmm. lies don't need to be censored correct you know so, you know, I, I even remained skeptical in, in, about it, but I learned over time it was true. I was also utterly moved by this poor woman who was a terminally ill cancer patient, wrote a full-page article in the National Post, and on top of all her troubles, she she, she dedicated a couple of paragraphs to how... She had to go into the illicit trade of marijuana and all that stuff and certainly her testimony totally confirmed everything we just heard jack harris say and i'm sure if jack were alive today he might be forced to follow through on his closing comments as the harper government in full light of the knowledge of everything we heard him say has just gone ahead escalating its futile and immoral war on drugs And already we've seen uh, compassion clubs being raided by police and there's, you know, video footage on YouTube, people being pushed out of their wheelchairs and stuff like that. It's amazing. Like, what's going on? Is there some conspiracy to bring humanity down to some animal
3: level? Yes, it's called conservatism. Yeah,
2: well, I don't know. I think there is, but unfortunately most of us are part of the conspiracy and don't want to accept responsibility for it. We're responsible every time we vote for a politician who supports policies like that. And a story. And all,
3: both major parties have supported it, by the way.
2: But what's really interesting is it's the real conspiracies that people refuse to believe in, and that's that's skepticism, again, working the other way around, that are the real things to fear. Uh, I mean, you could add to drug prohibition the conspiracies of communism, socialism, religion, foreign aid, public education, health care, Ontario Hydro. You could call them all conspiracies, couldn't you? Because I think most conspiracies are just politics as usual. And stunningly, I found someone else who agrees. Under the heading, The Political Use of Conspiracy Theories, Wikipedia writes, quote, In his two-volume work, The Open Society and Its Enemies, Karl Popper uses the term conspiracy theory to criticize the ideologies driving fascism, Nazism, and communism. No capitalism, I noted. Popper argued that totalitarianism was founded on conspiracy theories, which drew on imaginary plots driven by paranoid scenarios predicated on tribalism, chauvinism, and racism. All three of those are tribalism, by by the way. Mm -hmm. Popper did not argue against the existence of everyday conspiracies, as incorrectly suggested in much of the later literature. Popper even uses the term conspiracy to describe ordinary political activity in the classical Athens of Plato who was the principal target of his attack in the in the open society and its enemies so that's why he didn't attack capitalism and you notice in the Penn and Teller clips they had Plato's name on the screen in the television screen yes under there.
3: the phrase nothing will convince me that's
2: right a quote from Plato. So, in his critique of 20th century totalitarians, Popper wrote, I do not wish to imply that conspiracies never happen. On the contrary, they're a typical social phenomenon. He reiterated his point conspiracies occur, it must be admitted. But the striking fact, in spite of their occurrence, that disproves conspiracy theories is that few of them are el- ever successful. Conspirators rarely consummate their conspiracy. And, uh, you know, psychologists believe that a search for meaning is a common element to conspiracism. But I think the only place you can really uh, find meaning to anything is in the field of philosophy. Truth is in the philosophy department, remember that? Uh, Philosophy itself, I think, is the great conspirator, Robert. Because depending entirely on your metaphysical, epistemological, and ethical premises, your actions are determined by those beliefs. So when you have many people operating on the same philosophy, uh, who seem to be acting in unison with regard to some purpose or goal, the people who don't understand the philosophic force behind what they're seeing, instead, they see a conspiracy. Uh, But even to the extent that a given conspiracy is real... Even the conspiracy is a result of philosophic premises. People driven by unreality, mysticism, and force will naturally conspire to destroy things, including life itself. People who operate on reality, reason, self, and consent will naturally conspire to create things and to protect human dignity and life. Each opposite act is a simple philosophic consequence of operating on opposite principles— and I guess you could say it's as complicated as that. <laughs> market prices are the same thing, you know. They all seem to change at the same time. Is that a conspiracy? No, it's the way the market works. You know, why do liberals and conservatives always end up moving in the same direction? Because they think, each of them thinks they're different, but no, they practice the same philosophy. So they're going to end up in the same place. And they just never think of it. And we, people think, oh, it's a conspiracy. They're all getting together. Well, it's not. They're just thinking the same thing. If, if you think stupid, you're going to act stupid. If you think smart, you're going to act smart. And what can you say? That's about all I can really say about that. And so there's an endless number of conspiracy theories that we could entertain. We're going to entertain a couple more next week. And, uh, but, you know, on that philosophical note, we'll be leaving you with our usual parting smile. And Robert and I are already busy conspiring to put together our next broadcast of Just Right. And you, as always, are invited to join us again next week when we will continue our never ending journey in the right direction. So until then, we'll see you next week. And you know what to do be right, stay right, act right, do right, think right, and be right back here again. See ya. See
4: Robert. Colour into black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be I quit smoking recently. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's all right. Yeah. Well, quit smoking because I want to live. And now that I'm not smoking, I don't want to live anymore. I don't feel healthier being a non-smoker. My clothes don't smell like cigarette smoke. That's a big plus. They smell a lot like scotch and marijuana. <laughs>